I was thinking this afternoon, just as I was gathering the thoughts, my thoughts together, um, we're finally reaching chapter three of Joel. Um, and I was thinking it's a good job it's only three chapters because I've been going at this for such a long time because I don't preach that often that when 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 I do it, it's sort of uh, as it's a series it seems to have gone for a a long time and we've covered two chapters so it makes it sound like I'm covering half a verse a time if I, if you think that I've been going for um, a, a year or so to get this far um, but uh, we 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 do we cover some good ground. There's, there's a lot to be found in Joel. Um, it, it is effectively two parts or, or two, two sides really, not, not equal in length, but chapter one and chapter two to the end of verse 17 is the first part. And that deals <coughs> with the suffering and the challenges that the faced, that the people faced. And then from chapter 2, verse 18 to the end, we have the Lord intervening and then we see the blessings. As I was um, just recapping again over my own thoughts, the two sermons that I have preached on the the chapter 2 from verse 18 onwards were titled, The Lord's Response and The Lord Continues. And in that, we saw that there were blessings upon the people and the Lord blessed the people. And then, obviously, the Lord continued to bless the people. And we've looked at two types of blessings. There were the temporal blessings. And we have seen how this can all be summed up in this phrase. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. So whatever they had lost previously because of their sin and the judgment of God, the Lord restored to them the years that the locust had eaten. These were the temple blessings, the blessings of the land, the blessings of strength being restored, blessings of crops and cattle prospering. I have a quote from David Hubbard and he says, good crops, brimming vats, Full stomachs are not ends in themselves, but are signs that God, who had seemed to abandon the people to the misery of their uh, disaster and the mocking of their enemies, has now intervened on their behalf. So the fact that they were blessed with these things, that the crops returned, the cattle grew, the people were well, that was not the end. It is nice to have these things, but the blessing was that the Lord had granted them to them and was back with them. And then we looked at the spiritual blessings. And we touched on this this morning, didn't we, with Acts chapter 2 and how Peter quoted from the prophet Joel about the blessings, the spiritual blessings pouring forth, not just from the priests and the prophets, but onto the people. And the people were blessed spiritually. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. So we had the spiritual blessings and the greatest spiritual blessing was found at the end of chapter 2. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. 
spiritual blessing, the greatest spiritual blessing, salvation. Salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just one more quote for you. Um, This time from Matthew Henry. And he says, these promises were not of private interpretation only, but were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scripture, might have hope. So this, these prophecies weren't just for the people of Joel's time. They are also for our benefit and for our reading and for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So whatever befalls us, we can have hope that God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten and that God gives salvation. Now, there are certain words in scripture that prompt you to do something. We've seen one of them already, whether we noticed it or not, when we looked at Psalm, well, you won't have noticed it because I was the only one reading it. Psalm 4 at the start of the service, there is that word selah. And what does that tell us to do? It tells us to pause. I I always remember reading um, commentary, um, Treasury of David by Spurgeon, and he came across this at, at one point and he said, and well might we pause as we reflect back on what we have just read. And I find that a very helpful phrase. Whenever we read, I know it's it's the poetry and it's the, the rhyming and the rhythm of the poems and the songs, but if we do pause and reflect back on what we have just read, we will be benefited. There is another word that causes us to do something. And that starts our, our chapter three, and it is behold. That tells us that something important is to happen. Pay particular attention to look and to hold your look. Behold. That's how we start chapter three. So we are to be on alert. Be ready. Listen to what follows. Now in chapter three, um, if you read it through in its entirety, which isn't a, it isn't a long chapter. It's not a long book anyway. Um, you will notice that there are three valleys. We've touched on already the valley of Jehoshaphat, and that's what we're going to look at today. Further into the chapter, we we read of the valley of decision, and God willing, next time we return to Joel, we will look at that. Towards the end of the chapter, we have the valley of Shittim, and we won't focus on that when we get to that portion because it is such a glorious end that we will see that as part of this great and glorious end. But for today, our theme is the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Now, it's quite interesting because there is a split in opinion as to what the valley actually means. But when you think about the two um, opinions, they both fit and they both complement. So rather than taking sides with which one I believe to be correct, I've decided that I believe they are both correct and we will look at both of them. We have seen 
the name um, of Jehoshaphat to mean judgment. Jehoshaphat literally means Jehovah has judged. So we have the valley of judgment. But we also saw in Chronicles chapter 2 that Jehoshaphat was given victory in the battle. And it was because the Lord had blessed them. So they called it the valley of blessing. So we have these two titles, the valley of judgment and the valley of blessing, both referring to the same place. And they both fit. We're going to start with the valley of judgment. Jehovah has judged. Behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people, for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land and they have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Yea, what has thou to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon and all the coasts of Palestine? Will ye render me a recompense? And if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return, sorry, and if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense unto your own head? And then so it carries on. And it ends at verse 8 with these words, for the Lord hath spoken it and he will judge the people. So who's going to be judged? And it is a warning to the enemy of God's people. Here we have mention of Tyre and Zidon in Palestine. Now Palestine was to the west of um, God's people. Towards the end of the chapter, we have reference to Egypt and to Edom. Egypt is in the south, Eden, Edom is in the east of God's people. And earlier on in the chapter, or in the book, we had reference to the army of the north. So you can see what we have here. We have God's people uh, being surrounded by the enemies of God from the north from the south, from the east, and from the west. And they are in the middle. And God has called them. This is a difficult situation for for God's people. But they are going to be delivered because God has summoned the people. Now, these are enemies of God's people. So therefore, it makes them enemies of God. In a different context, but in the same principle there we have in, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, 25 rather, when he's, he's speaking of um, dealing how God's people have dealt with, with him on the, and he will refer them on judgment and he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked 
and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee thirsty uh, or hungered and fed thee and thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it also unto me. So the blessings for doing good things for God's children are to be enjoyed. But also those who are not doing the right things to God's children will be punished. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for, for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall I answer also him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into a life eternal. So we can see again here the nations gathering against Israel. They have done this deliberately unto God. Uh, to God's people, but they are also doing it as a result unto God. David acknowledged also, didn't he, that his actions weren't firstly against others, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. These are enemies of God. These are enemies of God's people and they will be judged. They will come to the valley of judgment in those days and at the time, we read. But what makes it even worse is a lot of this was unprovoked. Verse 4 reads, Yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coasts of Palestine? No reason. The other nations were gathering against um, Jerusalem and against Judah so the Palestinians, or Palestine, joined in. Tyre and Sidon joined in. We might as well enjoy the spoils. They're being defeated anyway. We might as well join the attack. Now, how does that fit in with today? How different are times now? Not at all. Whenever the church is under attack, from whatever cause it might be, whatever the latest uh, offence um, that is popular might be, all the sides join in and attack the church. We see it all too often. It is rare that we get attacked by one thing at a time, isn't it? Others, other parties join in and the whole world seems to join together in attacking the Christian church. Then God speaks to clarify the situation. We've seen the enemies 
of God and the enemies of God's people. And we've seen their unprovoked attack. Just the pure evil of joining in. But God speaks. And he says, I will gather. And I will bring. Verse 2. I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. They've got no say in the matter. The Lord will do what he does and he will gather the enemies and he will bring them. And verse 4, if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, I will return your recompense upon your own head. So he will bring them, he will gather them, and he will recompense them for their actions. As you have done, so I will do to you. And verse 8, and I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hands of the children of Judah. And they shall sell them to the Sabaeans, to a people far off, for the Lord hath spoken it. In case there is any doubt, the Lord is saying exactly what he will do. I will gather. I will bring. Nothing you can do to stop that. I will recompense you for your evil. I will sell you to your enemies. And when will this happen? It will happen swiftly and speedily. So what can they do about that? Very little, because it will happen in that day and in that time, swiftly and speedily, I will recompense and I will deal. Here is judgment. The Lord does not procrastinate. When is his time, he will judge. The judgment would fall upon this these people when the Lord saw fit. The Lord will bring his judgment upon this world swiftly and speedily when he sees fit. When will that be? In that day and in that time. We don't know the day, we don't know the time, but we do know it will happen and it will be swift and it will be speedy. And the Lord will judge. And the Lord will judge his enemies. They may be our enemies now, but ultimately they are his enemies. And he will say, depart. I never knew you into the lake of fire. As we think about this, and it's helpful then to sort of jump back to to a phrase that we heard when we were talking of Jehoshaphat. In, in Chronicles. And he was told 
through the prophet that spoke there. The battle is the Lord's. What an encouragement that must have been. God is in control. The days are his, the times are his, the armies are his. The battle is the Lord's. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. And that can be so true of us today, can't it? How many are there of us and how many are there in the world who are against us? Be not dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not ours. The battle is God's. What a great encouragement that is. I also like in verse 12 of chapter 20 here, it says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. He says there, we know not what to do, but he knows exactly what to do. We have no might. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Where should his eyes be? Upon the Lord, because the Lord will give victory in the battle. What can Jehoshaphat do? What can the army do against the great number? Nothing. The battle is the Lord's. Keep your eyes on the Lord. So the Lord will judge and he is in control. And in those days and at that time, judgment will come. We turn then and think of this as the valley of blessing. And so our theme continues from the second part of um, uh, Joel's prophecy. We've seen the difficulties that they faced and then we've joined into the blessings, the temporal blessings, firstly, the spiritual blessings thereafter. And it continues here in the valley of blessing. In chapter 20, we've seen the encouragements and where we got the title from. A great blessing that Jehoshaphat had was to acknowledge his dependence upon God. I can't win this battle. My army can't win this battle. We can't win this battle. Our eyes are upon you because we don't know what to do. Isn't that a great blessing to admit You cannot do this in your own strength and leaning upon the Lord. What a great blessing that is to let go of your own pride and ability and to trust in the Lord. Do we have the blessing of trusting in the Lord? We sang a verse, didn't we, in the hymn before, More holiness give me, more trust in my Lord. May we have that blessing of trusting more fully in the Lord. Now, another blessing that they would feel and see is the punishment of their enemies. Now, that might seem like an odd blessing. Admitting your dependence on something else also seems like an odd blessing, but letting go and trusting in God is a great blessing. The punishment of their enemies was a blessing 
because they were surrounded and attacked on all fronts to, to know that their enemies would be dealt with. They didn't know when, but they knew that they would be dealt with in that day and in that time, swiftly and speedily. The Lord is in control. Their enemies would be punished. Now, just because we read 27 verses in, in the chapter before, what happened, what followed afterwards is that Jehoshaphat, after they had praised the Lord, Jehoshaphat and his kingdom enjoyed a period of peace. Why? Because their enemies had been destroyed by the hand of God and all the nations feared God. So it is here and so it will be. The punishment of their enemies will lead to a a time of peace for Joel and his people. They would have a physical peace. The land would be at rest from their enemies. They would not need to fear. They could carry on and and rebuild and, and get on with their lives. They would have a temporal peace for a time in the land. The punishment of our enemies, the punishment of God's enemies, gives us hope and confidence and assurance for the future that our enemies, God's enemies, will also be destroyed. We will have to endure for a time here, but there will come a time when God's people will be free from their enemies. And there will be an eternity, an eternal peace. Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah sends peace. Through Jesus Christ we have peace with God. But we will have peace from our enemies when we are in glory. Can you say that today? Is that something that you can answer in the positive? I will have peace from God's enemies. Or are you an enemy of God? We also have a great blessing and the people had a great blessing by being referred to by God as my people. Verse 2. I will bring also all the nations, I gather all the nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel. So not only were they his people, a great title and a great blessing, and one that we can hold ourselves. We are God's people. And what a great title. We are also God's heritage. The line continued. It wasn't just for one generation. It was generation after generation. And so we can claim these titles. We are God's people. We are God's heritage. Now, is that not a great blessing? To be numbered among God's people. To be numbered among God's heritage. We can enjoy the benefits of being his people. We are his children. We are going to inherit his kingdom, his riches. And we will be with him for all glory. Now look again at verse 7 of chapter 3. I, the Lord again speaking, will raise them out of this place whither ye have sold them. Is that what the word, how the words read? Is that what verse 7 tells us? 
that he will raise us out of this place? Not exactly, because we have that wonderful word before it again, don't we? Behold, pay attention, behold, I will raise them out of this place. Christian, behold, these words, I will raise them out of this place. They had been sent captive. They had been taken prisoner. They had been sent far from their land. They were strangers in a strange land. And you remember how they sang psalms. How can we sing in the Lord? How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We can't. We can't do these things. We are far from God. Behold, I will lift them out. Again, what a great encouragement. We will be lifted out and we will be brought back into the very presence of God. Our backslidings will be restored if we repent. Our difficulties, our trials in this world will be recovered and we will be brought into his presence. We will be raised out of captivity and we will be placed in the centre of his will. We will be placed in the valley of blessing. So really in the valley of blessings we have the temporal blessings that the Lord has bestowed. We've seen the blessing of salvation and what a great blessing that is, a spiritual blessing. But now we are seeing the blessings in salvation. We have our salvation but we have the ongoing blessings of being saved. We are in his presence. We are his people, his heritage. We will have his eternal peace and we have dependence upon an almighty all-powerful God what a great blessing that is and what a great blessing it was for Joel's people to hear these words as we close verse 8 with this for the Lord hath spoken it I will bless this people the Lord has spoken it so one closing question what is the valley of Jehoshaphat to you? Is it a judgment? Is it a valley of judgment? Or is it a blessing? How do you stand before God today? How do you answer that question? Am I a friend of God? Am I a child of God? Am I one of God's heritage, God's people? Or am I an enemy of God? What is the valley of Jehoshaphat to you. Amen.